Good Vibe Cinema presents Vibe Talking. Hey party people, welcome back to another episode of Vibe Talking, an exciting new podcast about films with off-the-charts vibes, films from the golden age of adult cinema. I'm Vic Terry, executive producer of Good Vibe Cinema, joined here by my friend, neighbor, and co-host, Manny B. Hey, how's it going? And tonight we are talking about Gerard Damiano's 1973 film, The Devil and Miss Jones. Hell yeah, we are. All right, Manny, what'd you think? Yay or nay? At first, I, I really like this film, and it's funny because my expectations were shaded a bit by you i went in kind of expecting that maybe this is going to be a mess but i knew that there was a reason why you wanted me to watch it and then right away i was like okay i'm getting the vibe for this and as i was watching it i didn't like everything but by the end of it i was like this might have been like the best film that i've watched so far wait are you serious that i am taking it back right now that is a bold claim this is your favorite movie that we've watched so far I mean, after re-watching it again and spending some time thinking about it, that might not be the case. But so far, the thing is for me is I feel like this is one of the better films out of what we watched. It definitely has some serious flaws. And maybe by the end of this conversation, it'll start to slide down the rankings a little bit. But there was some stuff that this film did really well that I wish some of the other films had done. And for that reason, it kind of elevates it a little bit um, in my estimation. Oh, God, okay, because I feel like this is one of my least favorite films. <laughs> but that's, okay. that's good because I feel like we need to have something to where we maybe you and I are opposite. Yeah, okay. a little bit of controversy going between us. Okay, let me just say why I have such a problem with this movie. Go for it. I'm not going to say this is the worst movie I've seen because there is some stuff in it that's really, really awesome. And there's nothing in it that's like horrible. There's just stuff that's like really, really mediocre. But I think what bothers me so much about this movie is because the scenes that are so good are so fucking good. Yeah. And the scenes that are not good are just half-ass slapped in there. And so it really, really bothers me because this movie has so much potential because there are some things that are being done so, so well because the cast is fucking killing it and they are given a shit script and some lazy directing. Yeah. I feel like Damiano's directing on this really let both Georgina Spelvin and... um, Harry Reams. Harry Reams down. The greatest actor of all time. Yeah. Because I feel like in their scene together, they, they really brought it. And that's where, like, that really made the movie stand up for me. Just in that right there, I'm like, okay, this film is, is doing something. But for me, it was in the scenes that weren't in there. That's where I felt it was really lacking. And maybe yeah. that's why, like, just in the in the few viewings I've had of it, I maybe hold it in a little bit higher regard. Just because I feel like if you put those scenes in you've got a legitimate film that could get some awards consideration. Yeah, for real. But because those aren't in there, and I don't know how much of it is due to like lack of resources and budgetary constraints, or just the fact that Damiano is not a strong enough director and filmmaker that he just didn't have 
the ambition or the realization that he needed to flesh these things out a little bit more. Well, here's kind of what I think. And before we get too much into it, just to give everybody a little backstory, what's this movie about? What's going on here? So the premise of this movie is that we have uh, Georgina Spelvin, who is a really phenomenal theater actor. And yeah. actually, before she did this film, I think she'd done a couple like bit parts in some adult films, but I, but this was like gave her a name in this genre and like a career in this business. But she used to be a dancer. She was on Broadway for a minute, like in the chorus. And kind of what ended up happening was she just started getting a little older. Like there wasn't as much you know opportunity in that field for her. Yeah, she committed and... the crime of being an actress who wasn't already famous and was turning thirty. Yeah, basically. And then she um, started getting involved behind the scenes in porn. So she was actually the caterer for The Devil and Miss Jones. She was hired on to be the caterer. Damiano had another actress in mind who Harry Reams was not a huge fan of. And Harry Reams, like we talked about in the Deep Throat episode, he was also uh, pretty involved in production type of stuff too. Mm -hmm. So he was helping Damiano with this. He actually, the two of them produced this film. So he wanted, you know, a little more say in the actor. And he had met Georgina Spelvin and Harry Reams also had a theater background. The two of them really hit it off, became friends. He asked her if she'd be interested in performing in this film when they were carving pumpkins together. Like, I just, I think their <laughs> friendship wholesome. is really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, fuck, I'd be down, you know? And then uh, she read for Damiano and he was really impressed and rightfully so. Like, her performance in this movie is amazing. But yeah, so that's how she got in on that. And she said, you know, as she's working on it, she's like, I was looking at this like I was in Hedda Gabler. Like, I was really analyzing this character. I was really getting into it. And I think, you know, getting a little sidetracked here, but I think that's why the scenes with her and Harry Reams are so damn good is because they're two theater actors. So I bet they had conversations about character that maybe not all actors and performers do, you know? I think they had a lot of conversations about the scene, and I bet they really rehearsed it. Because they talk about that on that Better Call Saul podcast, too. That, like, Ray Seahorn and some of these people are theater actors, and that their process for prepping for the scenes is, like, so different than other, like, film and TV actors. And that show has, like, crazy good character, too. So I think that's what's happening here. I think there's kind of a... Well, and I think that's what drew me into the film when I watched it the first time, was that I really got a sense that there was this character that Georgina Spelvin had built, and that she went well beyond what was written on the page for her. Mm -hmm. And even in Harry Ream's scene, there was more to his character than what we got to see. Oh, totally. Um, Totally. And because of the work that they put in, you could sense that there was chemistry between them. And again, it goes back to the film gives you some, but not enough of what you really want out of it. And I'm not even talking about like with the sex, because the sex, I felt like that was another thing too. Like there were some... For me, some of the sex scenes, I felt like they were better than some of the stuff that I'd seen in, in other films that we've watched so far. Also a bold claim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but there was also other stuff to where uh, it turned me off. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Um, okay, so wait, premise of the movie, real quick. So, Georgina Spelvin, Miss Jones, she is Catholic, uptight, middle-aged woman a virgin, very socially kind of isolated, and the film opens up with her committing suicide. And so then the rest of the movie is her um, navigating the afterlife because she has 
committed a, a sin by taking her own life, she isn't able to go to heaven, but because she's never done anything wrong and has lived such a by-the-books life, they feel kind of weird sending her to hell. So they basically just give her, like, one last hurrah, like, what was your regret? And she said, if I'm going to go to hell anyway, like, I wish I would have been having a good time, getting laid, and that's what I'm going to do for the next week before my sentence begins. So that is, uh, that's what's going on here. We are seeing that journey. Shall we get into the film, or do we have more opening thoughts? Well, this is where it really starts to get into my sentiments toward the film, because it opens pretty strong, and I feel like the choice to open with uh, Georgina Spelvin, you know, little spoiler alert, but it's, uh, it's an image of her from the end of the film. And she's kind of got a little bit of ghoul makeup on. Mm-hmm. And there's a sexual angle to to what's going on with her character in those, those opening few minutes. And just sort of the way that it's framed, the way that it's lit, the makeup that she's wearing, it really makes it not sensual at all. Like, it, it makes it almost kind of, like, desperate and a bit of a turnoff, which is kind of a weird decision to make. I understand, like what Damiano was going for with that, but I don't really agree with the decision to open the film that way. And then it goes into, you know, you start to get a little bit of a sense of of her life and the type of person that she is. And I feel like this is where you could really expand on this film and really tell more of a story than it does by giving us a stronger sense of who she is. And that's where you start to, I start to question, was it, just a lack of resources for uh, Damiano that he couldn't afford to get more locations and shoot more scenes with more actors? Or did he just not have the ambition that, or he just felt that the story didn't need it? Me personally, I would have liked to seen a, a little bit more of her life to not only understand who she was, but then also how she arrived at this point to make such a drastic decision. Because you get the sense that, and a lot of this comes through Georgina Spelvin's performance, but you get the sense that she is a deeply unhappy person, but it would be nice to really understand why she's such a deeply unhappy person. Okay, you know what I wanted from this movie? Okay, so I agree. I want more of that backstory. I want more of that character. I actually think the beginning is really strong. I think the little kind of teaser of her in hell, you know, at the very, very beginning, I really like it. I think it not being sexy is kind of a bold but cool choice because a lot of the, I mean, the stuff that's really, really good in this movie is kind of the stuff that's not that hot, you know, like a lot of the more dramatic scenes. So I think establishing that this has kind of a darker tone, establishing that like this isn't just a dirty movie, like I think that that kind of works. I also really like her acting is so fucking intense. Her crazy eyes, she's just giving it like 200%. Like she's, I feel like she's nailing it there. Yeah, she's shown um, some range in this performance. And I really liked too, I guess we don't realize in the opening teaser that it's hell where she's at. Yeah. I mean, we could, maybe if you know what the movie's about, but I don't know. It's It doesn't specifically say that, but I think it's so cool that everything in the afterlife is so bright, like visually bright. Like she's in like a white room, white walls. Everything is kind of like overly exposed. Like just the lighting is weird, you know? Well, and they even um, do say Abaca 
says to her whenever he's letting her know like hey this is what you're in for she flat out says like oh am i going to be tortured and he goes no you'll be pretty comfortable but he doesn't explain like well but here's what you're not going to like about your situation but that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves i would have really liked though more of like flashbacks and we'll get into yes. that more as we go through the actual beats of the story. But I wanted to like give some more props to that opening scene too. And and while um, we're talking about our, our main character, I do want to say this as far as the actress, like when you introduced the film to me, you know, you, you gave me a little bit of the backstory on like, you know, Harry Reams really um, advocated for Georgina Spelvin to, to have this role. And I think there was some hesitation. I don't know if it was on Damiano's part or another producer mm-hmm. or something. But because of her age, they were like, well, we don't know if like we can have her as like a leading character. But I, I think it's a great decision, not only because of how strong her performance is, but just as a physical being, I mean... Like, she's 100% a cougar. Like, she can absolutely get it. <laughs> she has it going on. And the way that she has it going on, it's it's funny because in the first sex scene, Harry Reem's character, the teacher, addresses it. And he talks about, like, well, you know, men are more stimulated by a, a younger, more supple woman. But at the same time, like, you can see that, like, she has this more natural and realistic beauty to her. Like, she doesn't... Like, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about Touch Me Mm -hmm. in how those people didn't have the porn star glamour bodies. They had more realistic, you know, normal-looking bodies. And while she does have a more realistic-looking body, there is a beauty to her. And I think that that's where Damiano's strength was in directing this and the way that he framed a lot of these scenes um, he, he found the right angles and the right shots to use to really highlight her beauty. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool, too, on that note about, you know, framing and all that. Um, I thought you were about to say it. What? We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a bingo when you say it. Okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up, too... Um, in this beginning scene, like right before she commits suicide, and that that whole sequence is phenomenal. Um, it is long and uncomfortable. There's no dialogue. There's this very haunting music. Um, but there is a shot of her naked, like looking at herself in the mirror. And it's not, I mean, I feel like the character maybe isn't 100% stoked with what she's seeing. But at the same time, it's more just setting us up kind of to see, like, the vulnerability and nudity. Again, like, with the not-sexy teaser, now we're showing, you know, a naked body, but it's not being presented in a sexual way. It's like yeah. we're constantly giving the audience, like, little hints of, like, you know, this is not what you're expecting. Like, you know, take it easy. Um And then she, you know, we see her in the bathtub. There's this, like, it's just this long sequence of her getting undressed and doing the water and just it's going on and on. And then finally she's laying there and we get this kind of blurry shot and then, like, a razor on the counter comes into focus. And immediately you're just like, fuck. Like, I know where this is going. And when it happens, it's like, it was, like, hard for me to watch. Like, it's... You yeah, see definitely. See it happening. It's very graphic and very like emotionally gnarly. You know. Um, yeah, certainly a trigger warning for anybody who uh, gets really uncomfortable with like scenes of suicide. Uh, they like they they take some time. They don't get overly graphic, but it's it's graphic enough to where 
there's no doubt about what exactly is going on. Yeah, and there's this bizarre shot, like, after she's done it, and the camera is, like, panning out, and we see her in the tub, like, from the hallway. But mm -hmm. the way they do it, it almost, like, simultaneously feels like she's leaving her body, like, pulling back. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're imagining, like, a paramedic or someone, like, that's the view that they come into. Yeah, you know, like it was, Yeah, body. it was just, like, a neat, really neat shot. And the next sequence, too, so this and, is where... And I just want to say, like, like those moments, for me, that's, that's what started to elevate this film, was I was like, there is some thoughtfulness to what they're doing. There is... There is definitely more of an artistic vision that's being deployed here, um, but you know, it, it it just becomes disappointing when you feel like ultimately it falls short of what it could have been. But you know, yeah. So going on, like, so then it 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 cuts to her in, you know, what they they never really spell out too much. Like, a lot of it, they do rely on the viewer to infer what's happening based on what you're being shown. Mm -hmm. But um, that's when she meets uh, uh, Abaca. Mm -hmm. um, and Abaca never, like, it's never really addressed, like, who Abaca is. But it does kind of introduce, like, sort of this afterlife bureaucracy. Oh, I love that. Because she actually thinks, when she first comes in, she thinks she's at a job interview. And he yeah. kind of, like, keeps playing that, you know? And she's getting very confused, and things start getting a little bit weird. And he's um, he's using all this like business language, like you know, oh, like a, a firm like ours takes care of these sort of matters, you know. And he says, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I you know, when he when the conversation comes up about like where in the afterlife will she be going, he's like, you know, it's it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, which way they go. I'm not on a commission basis here. <laughs> like, it's just very, like, strange. And also the lighting here, too, not as dramatic as in Hell, but still very well lit. It's daytime. There's windows. There's, like, there's another sequence later where she's in, like, a field with him. Like, just a lot of the imagery is just not, you know, what you would anticipate here. Um, and I'm loving this premise. Like, it almost feels like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that. It's very yeah. much that energy. Um. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you know, there's there's more of a focus on just the human emotions right. that are involved in things, and it, it's a little bit comical for Abaca to you know to to phrase things the way that he does. But you also kind of understand that he's doing it so that he doesn't freak her out mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to have to deal with the fallout of her responses whether that be that she tries to make an escape or attacks him or just you know starts freaking out on him mm -hmm. so he's he's being a little gentle in the way that he's phrasing things but at the same time you get the sense that he doesn't know exactly how to emotionally connect with 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 a human being in order to get them to process and understand exactly the gravity of everything that that they're facing uh, but then that leads into them having a conversation about, you know, how she didn't fully get to experience a lot of things. And I think this is where you start to get into some interesting territory that not a lot of adult films have tried to explore. And that is um, people being able to find a way to explore their own sexual curiosities and desires and even break through a lot of their repressions. And I think that 
definitely this film would have been better served to focus even further on that. To say, like, obviously this was a very unhappy woman, and a big part of the reason why she was so unhappy was because she denied herself these experiences and the opportunity to, um, to feel pleasure. And now it's, it's like, okay, this will be your absolute last opportunity to have that. So what do you want to do? And this is something that I love. And I, you know, this is kind of what also feels like ghost story to me. So I recently did a play, uh, I've been working on it for a couple years and it's kind of a streetcar meets Beetlejuice type of vibe, but it, essentially it's these two ghosts in purgatory. They're both taking the afterlife as a chance to reinvent themselves. We get, you know, varying degrees of authenticity between these two characters. And as that, you know, uh, becomes clear to each other, things kind of go off the rails. Um, but when I, um, a while back when uh, my partner and I were working on this, I had found out about Devil and Miss Jones and I was a huge Deep Throat fan. And I'm like, oh my God, Damiano did our play. Like we have to watch this movie. And he was like, shit, okay, let's do this. You know, we finally get around to watching it. I'm so excited. We've never watched something like that together, you know, and the beginning comes on so good, you know, so strong. And this scene, he's like, oh, this feels like Twilight Zone. This is kind of badass. And I was like, oh, that, you know, that other scene was fucking heavy. That was gnarly, you know, like, and then the the next scene with Harry Reams, so good, you know. And then as the movie starts to kind of taper off, we're both just kind of like, fuck. And I think maybe that's why I have so many issues with this movie, too. Yeah. It's because it was such a disappointment when I watched it. And so I really... It's, it's weird, because you and I both have, like, a similar sentiment in that this had so much potential, but I just, I feel a little bit more positive about it than you do. And I feel like a lot of that probably has to do because it personally let you down so much. I think that is probably a... a big part of it for sure but then like for me like i i had the benefit of like i got to i I got to watch your show multiple times and so i'm like no like if you if you're taking this this premise and these themes and you're really exploring like what it means for these characters this is what you end up with so i have that satisfaction of knowing how that turns out and for me i just i think like where i really appreciate it is like okay they were trying to do something a lot more thoughtful uh, with with an adult film other than just like, I don't know, what's the reason why they'd be fucking? And it's like, well, the reason why is because this woman never got to experience oh, this in life. Okay, so I, I feel like we need to just, I need to just roast this movie a little bit more because I keep getting sidetracked even just going through the Light premise, it up. Because I am like all fired up here. Okay, <laughs> so Damiano loves this movie. He was so proud of this film. When he did Deep Throat, um, he used like a stage name. Um, when he did this movie, he it was a Damiano film. Like he was proud of it. You know, he does yeah, use a stage like, name with his uh, with his cameo though, which I found very strange. Yeah. that was a little weird. Um, I but, forgot. I forgot what the what the uh, stage name was he used. Oh, I forgot. I don't think I wrote it's it like, down. Gord Zork or something. I don't, it's <laughs> I don't funny. think it was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he really really liked this film, and I had read. 
all these things about him talking about it before I saw the movie. And he's like, you know, this film is about like Catholicism and guilt and regret and like the kind of fucked up way that we view sexuality because of like religion and society. And I'm like, okay, interesting, interesting. You know, we're really exploring like, you know, like, you know, that's kind of what, what the play is about and what's kind of happening in here. Um, Like her using death, because because uh abaca says to her like a, a life of lust like that seems so out of character for you and then that opens the whole conversation of like who are we are we our experiences the way we present ourselves is it because if she says like that's what if she could do her life over again that's what she wants to do that means she's thought about this that means she feels very strongly about this so yeah. maybe that is more a reflection of her true character than what she did because she was told by her religion and the world around her that she had to be a certain way. So it's like that opens up a whole kind of conversation about like nature and nurture and pressure and society and like the authenticity of the self and reinventing that. And like, that's so many great themes. And like, I love those themes. I feel like I all, everything I write, everything I do is exploring those themes. I feel like that's why I love a lot of these movies is because in some way, both narratively, they are being explored, those themes, you know, and like just the whole concept of like the intimacy and rawness of having sex with someone versus the, you know, structured performativity of a film, you know, and where do those things intersect? And like, I'm so fascinated by all of that. Yeah. And and also because so many of these films, you know, on, on some level deal with the concept of fantasy and, and, what is fantasy if not a projection of of what our actual desires are you know past what we would do when we feel like other people are watching and observing and judging us yeah and so i i love all these ideas i everything i read with damiano talking about it i'm like this sounds like the best movie ever it's harry reams i love harry reams you know i just was so excited for it and not only was I just disappointed by just the quality of the film and my experience watching it the first time, but I really, I feel like Damiano has a very strange relationship to porn and his Mm -hmm. opinions about it. And because he talked about deep throat in this book that I read, it's called the other Hollywood. Um, I, totally recommend you guys read it it's like history and it goes into a lot of these movies it's where i heard about a lot of these movies and a lot of these performers before i actually started watching them you know it's a really cool book but in yeah and i think we've talked about like uh, you know if we if we view what we're doing on our podcast as being sort of like a uh film course um focused specifically on adult films from this specific time period you know that uh the other hollywood could sort serve almost as a course syllabus for our listeners totally i feel like i feel like knowing a lot of that stuff made me appreciate these movies even more you know because the stuff going on around the film is almost just as interesting as that we got so much to say about the actual fucking films that it's yeah. like we can't even go there but no, i recommend I mean, like, you guys look into it I that's think a big really, part of the reason why we do know? it because like we can talk about like what was in the film what do we feel like should have been in the film but then also, like, we can start to discuss, like, well, what was going on behind the scenes yeah. and, like, what was going on in society at that time? Yeah. Like, the more I start to dive into just this slice of time and, and 
you know, just this cultural moment that was happening, there's so much interesting shit that's happening. It really is. And it resonates, like, like all the way through, like, to now, um, but the, the most interesting moments all happened, shit, well before we were even born. Yeah. But it's worth talking about. It's totally. worth discussing. So Damiano is given mixed messages here. In the book, he's talking about, like, oh, Deep Throat, like, I wanted to do something that was funny, that was human, that had this sex-positive message. Like, he sounded like he's loving Deep Throat and very proud of it, you know? In the Inside Deep Throat documentary that we watched, he's like, is Deep Throat a good movie? No. And I'm like, okay, so why are you saying that? And, like, what made you change your mind? And what about it do you feel like is not good? Like... I know that was, like, an out-of-context, like, soundbite, you know? But, yeah. like, still, just the fact that he says that, it's like, the fuck is that? And I really feel like, you know, because he would talk about, he's like, you know, porn and mainstream Hollywood are going to come together. Like, and a lot of people at that time, a lot of filmmakers really believe that and hope for that and were shooting for that. Like, these movies are going to be legitimate. Like, we can find a way to balance sex and story and make it so perfect. And Damiano talking about how Devil and Miss Jones is his masterpiece and he's so proud of it. He put so much love and thought and attention and really great work into the non-sexual dialogue scenes. The Harry Reams scenes are really good too, but I don't know how much of that was Damiano or how much of that was Reams and Spelman fucking killing it. I think yeah. they brought more to that scene than, when, than what was on the page, you know? Um, and all these random sex scenes in this movie feel like, and we'll, you know, as we go through the scenes, we could talk about it more, but they really feel like they're just thrown in there. And it really Yeah, they feel feels, disconnected from the actual story that's they being do. told. And it feels to me, I don't know if he's said this outright or not, but it really feels like he almost didn't want to make an adult film. He would have liked to make The Devil and Miss Jones just a straight regular Hollywood movie you know yeah and, and in that like regard put those in. I can see that because when I watched these scenes for the first time uh, the thing that really stood out to me was there is a more artistic approach to it that was trying to focus more on what was erotic about the scenes as opposed to uh, being a lot more um, confrontationally graphic mm -hmm. you know like like the you know you take Deep Throat, same director, and the way that those sex scenes are shot, it's it's more, it's it's you know sometimes it's going for punchlines, but there are certainly times to where it is trying to get across a lot more of the um, there's there's not as much sensuality as there is just outright lust and sex. Yeah. Um, with this, you know the the thing that I would say is that it's. It's a sort of voyeurism, but what you can feel is coming through the lens is it's trying to focus a lot more on the sensual experience of the character. Um, and so I probably sound like I'm completely full of shit right now, and I am to some degree, but that was the thing for me. Like That was, that was my initial impression was like, okay, there's, there's a framing of these sex scenes, um, and not all of them I was a big fan of. You know, there's there's a whole sequence of, of masturbation where it involves food, and then um, there's a snake, and then um, I'd have to say the bathtub scene for me, like in terms of just kind of like flat, like physical gross out kind of stuff, it's right up there with the coke, have a coke and tube scene. Oh from God, Deep Throat. it is. So I don't know why. He, maybe that's his tubes. thing. Yeah, like like that is 
that is like some kind of a prop motif that he feels I, like he has I to include in his movies. I do not care for that. I don't think we should include that. And the thing, the thing about it that really bothered me is, is like the tube, like it was kind of weird. You know, she's sticking the tube inside of her and she's like sucking water out and uh, squirting into her own mouth, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. That, that's... I know we say this every now and then, you know, uh, it definitely is somebody's fetish. It's not mine, but (laughs) somebody got turned on by that. You know what is so disappointing about that, too? And I didn't even think about this when I first watched it, but I did, you know, recently getting ready for this. It comes fairly early in the film, and we had our whole opening bathtub scene. So I feel like it's very strange to have her being sexy in a bathtub, but not doing it to be uncomfortable and strange, you know, like, because it's not lit or shot. The music is completely different. Like, there are no visual parallels to that opening scene. So it doesn't feel like an intentional, like, we're... There doesn't these feel two like scenes, yeah. There's not a connection between them. But it's just them. a bizarre coincidence. Yeah, and it's almost a little distracting. Yeah, and I and and it almost makes you question like, what was the sequence that these were actually shot in, and like, yeah. did it did it occur to Damiano at all whenever he's shooting it? The other thing about it too is like, when I did go back and rewatch it because that that second bathtub scene, you know, stuck in my mind so much. The first bathtub scene, it's like okay, this is such a nice like. You know, it's a clean bathtub. You know, it's a boring, clean bathtub tile. And the other bathtub is just, it's so gross and dirty. And (laughs) I'm just like, this one is supposed to be erotic. And it's like, what is erotic about this? Other than, you know, you've got a good looking naked woman writhing around in here. I think that this movie almost kind of tries to lean into the depravity of this character. So I think the bathtub being gross is like kind of part of that. But, But like, I feel like... It's it's trying to make a statement in that way, but there's not enough commentary to really back it up. Like like, there wasn't like, he was trying to be bold, but without taking all of the necessary steps to declare. See, and that is exactly what I'm fucking talking about with why this movie is so upsetting to me because that could have been a really, you know, unsettling, perhaps off-putting, but like powerful sequence. It could right. have meant something. It could but have what would be the something. purpose of it? I mean, I think just creating, like, a weird atmosphere, you know? She's in hell. Things are trippy and gross. But at this and point, like, she's not in hell yet. Like, or like purgatory my, or wh- where she is, My understanding of it you know? is that all of the sexual activity actually takes place on Earth. Oh, no, I don't think that's what's happening. But, like... She's in, the, she's in like, purgatory. Right, but everything is kind of weird. See, this is where we start to get into like where I feel like you can fix this film and make it like a really groundbreaking, very memorable film. Yeah. And so like you and I have both kind of mentioned that there needs to be some flashbacks to her life, not only to establish who she was as a person, but to also frame why she is choosing to have the experiences that she's having. Could not agree. And so, you know, you have the first, you know, scene with, with her and, um... Harry Reams. Harry Reams. The teacher. I don't know why. Yeah. So you have the first scene with her and the teacher. And, um, you know, that, that, like, that is essentially her first, like, actual sexual experience that we are aware of. So I think, yeah, at this point, we've, we, let's just go through the scenes. Because then we can kind of go into a little bit more like 
what could have been structured better, what we're missing out on, you know? Yeah, and um, I think that there needs to be, there needs to be, like, a flashback that, that frames both, you know, what she's doing um, to, to understand, like, why this is something that she desires, mm-hmm. but then also, like, it's a great opportunity to uh, establish contrast because is, is Harry Reams just, is he, you know, uh, an incubus that... You know, that he just continuously feels, fulfills this role, or is he based on an actual person that she had interactions with in her living life? And if so, like that's mm-hmm. a great opportunity to kind of display a little bit of give more screen time to Harry Reams and allow him to display his range and chops a little bit more yeah. because you see him. Maybe he was a school teacher, maybe he was a coworker or a boss or someone in her life. That she did have an attraction to, but she never felt the ability to express that attraction. And now she's getting, you know, the chance to do that. Oh, I like that. That would have been good. Yeah. Um, on that note of this scene, I think um, I really enjoyed Harry Reem's performance. I mean, I thought the scene actually was pretty hot. This was the only scene in the movie that I thought was sexy. Yeah, me every too. other sex scene, I was just like, okay, cool. This is this is know. the sex scene that I, I like, could okay, like rewatch. Everything else is just this kind one of was like, like legit hot and good. And so what happens here is, you know, after she's realized she's gonna have to go to hell, but she has a little downtime, and I think this is happening in purgatory because everything's kind of weird. You know, Harry Reams is some kind of. I don't think he's just a dude, you know, he's some kind of weird spirit or whatever, you know. And what she does is she goes with him. Right when she walks in the room, her demeanor is different. She's not really nailing it yet. I mean, the actor's nailing it, but, like, the character, like, she tries to come in with a little attitude. You could tell she's trying to be kind of sexy, but you could tell it's, like, this is not what she does. Yeah. And so I really liked that. I thought that was a good, like, and it's subtle. It's not like she's, like, comes in and being, like, overly cheesy and bad. Like, it's just, like, you could tell this character is nervous. And so, great performance. Yeah. Her her Um, insecurity really comes through, and, and that speaks to her strengths as a performer. Yeah. And she comes in, and there's this kind of hazy, dreamy, cool cinematography going on. Harry Reams is, like, giving... He has a lot of range as an actor, too, because he's doing a very different... You know, a lot of the times, I feel like he does do kind of comedic, over-the-top, you know, definitely in Deep Throat, but I feel like he's done that in, like, other things, too. In this one, he's very, like, super dominant, super, like, uh, detached, and, like... Yeah, like, there's kind of a weird little power play going on here. Like, totally different vibe. And he really nails it. And he says that his job is to cure her of her inhibitions. And she (laughs) says, do we really need that? And he's like, yeah, you can't have good sex if you're all up in your head. You know, which, love that theme. We're going to keep coming back to that. And... There is some good shit in the scene. I mean, I thought just the the weird character dynamic tension and the power in the scene, you know, that, all that. Bingo. <laughs> I said my <laughs> keyword, power in the scene, my catchphrase. <laughs> Did you get that on your bingo card, listeners? <laughs> power in the scene. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. I'm getting sidetracked. I got, I got my, uh, my go-to lines. <laughs> But yeah, because this comes in so early, it, it really did make me optimistic for the rest of the movie because I'm like, oh, okay, you're going to see her progression going from this shy, insecure, repressed person and just someone who fully realizes their sexual being and the pleasures of, of just being a human being, having these sensual experiences. But 
the irony of it is going to come at like, well, that's it for you. Like now you're not going to get to experience this anymore because you made the decision to off yourself. Okay, I got to But that doesn't even really come up. I mean, it does a little bit, but not in the way that would have kind of satisfied me as, as somebody who wants to get that full, you know, revelation. Yeah. I got to gush about this scene more, though. Just how fucking hot this shit is. <laughs> gush okay. on. You know I'm all about a good blowjob scene. My favorite shit to see. Because I talked about this in Deep Throat, like, our emotional money shots that we are witnessing and, like, the very, like, treating a blowjob as the main event and not a pregame, you know? Yeah. Framing it that it can be anything, like any, it's just another way of getting down, you know? You could be making sweet, passionate love going down on a guy, you know? And I feel like that's what's happening here. But it's so interesting because Harry Reams, the the man, the character, he is so detached. It's like, I am providing you a service here. You know, like, I'm preparing you for your journey. Like, we don't know each other. There's no emotional interaction at all, you know? I feel like there's a love story going on between Miss Jones and Harry Reem's dick, okay? (laughs) And I love it because she literally looks at his cock and says, I've waited for you for so long. And there's, like, romantic music playing and, like... It's See, that's that's the sex positive kind of stuff to where when we when we find films like this, like even though this might not be your favorite film, the sex positivity of just like, hey, you just need to find the right dick for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whether it be for your mouth, pussy, or ass, just there is the perfect dick for you out there. When you find it, you're gonna know and you're gonna be so fucking happy, and that's a beautiful thing. It really is beautiful, and I feel like it gives the scene so much like emotional weight. Like this is a character-driven thing. Like not only is it like you know good-looking dick, attractive performer doing a good job in a well-rehearsed scene, but like you can see the way that she looks at it. Like this isn't just like oh nice dong. This is like this means something. This is something she's thought about and stressed about and had a weird relationship to her entire life, you know? Yeah, and, and, and this scene would not have felt that way if you had a lesser performer than Georgina Spelvin. Totally. Like, if you would have gone for the younger, hotter woman who isn't as strong of a performer, who's not as confident in her acting abilities, like, it would have felt so flat. Yeah, because there's nothing, like, happening majorly in the scene. It's really just, like, her... See her him? face. I'm finding her... ways to make you fall in love with this film a little bit I more. told you, the first half hour, 20 minutes of this film, fucking phenomenal. And that's why I hate it so much. Because it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like how, you know, you can watch just like a cheesy action movie. And it's like, why do we got to be pretentious? Like, this movie's not going for an Oscar. Like, it's fucking fun. I enjoyed it, you know? I can watch trash porn. It's hot. I'm just trying to vibe here. This is yeah. not a great film, you know? I'm fine with that. You know, and like something like, and I think we need to cover it, Sheila's Payoff. It's a yeah. garbage, low budget shit movie, but it's fucking hot and it's my go-to to put on when I'm getting laid because you don't have to pay attention to it, <laughs> you know, and that's all it needs to be. Yeah. This movie is not that, so I cannot give it a pass. This is Damiano acting like it's the best, most powerful film ever with um, like oscar bait movie and then he phones it in for the last half and i cannot excuse that okay so so we we've sat here and proverbially sucked the dick of the the first scene um but let's let's really start to break down yeah just just how the where the cliff is 
and how this movie tumbles over the cliff, so breaks into a thousand pieces, I say, and explodes. I say immediately after the Harry Room scene, it starts going downhill. Because the yeah. next scene, it just leads into... Because there's dialogue in that scene. There's dialogue in that sex scene. You know, there's like a lot happening there emotionally, performance-wise. And then the next scene, it just cuts right to... A random woman. It cuts off this sex scene. Like, for me personally, just because I'm a big anal fan, I feel like it cuts off the scene at its hottest. After watching it the first time, like going back and rewatching it again, it's kind of jarring how abruptly it cuts off. Yeah. And then it goes into a girl on girl scene. And yeah, it's all. It's no substance at all. Chick walks down the stairs. Miss Jones is laying in bed. They start making out. And this is the most bizarre thing ever is because these two... And this is where you needed a frame, framing yes, okay. with, with flashbacks. You know, what I want? you know what I wanted so fucking bad in this? And this is something that is not explored at all and needs to be explored. This whole movie, and, and like, Damiano is like, I mean, just straight up, it's about the afterlife. It's about religion, you know? It's about Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And he talks in that book about, like, I wanted the, like, weird sadomasochistic guilt, like, dynamic happening that, like, is drilled into you with the Catholic Church and, like, he has opinions about religion, you know, and wants that to come across in this film. They really don't go there at all, yeah. you know? What I wanted to see here, because what, what we actually get in the scene, and this is the stupidest thing, too, is that she actually dated this chick for a while. Like, they had a real relationship. Yeah. I don't know what the timeline was, like, on the set, like, if they were already together when this was filmed, but either way there's a vibe going on. So why is it that they kiss and there's romantic music playing, but I'm fucking bored. And I don't feel like there's... When she's cuddling up with his dick post-load, it feels romantic as shit. (laughs) Her making out with this woman she's actually involved with, bland. It's like, come on, you guys. Like, And there's no dialogue at all. We have no context for who this person is. They just lazily slap some, like, cheesy music over it. What we should have had, a flashback of Miss Jones, maybe like as a teenager, like in Catholic school, maybe starting to have a crush on another girl. And it doesn't even have to be like overtly sexual, but it's like she has these feelings. She has attraction to women, you know? But someone telling her, we see her being told that that's wrong, or we see her like trying to pray to like get rid of those thoughts, or like, you know, like let's give some weight to that. Like, what does it mean to her to not only be like having sex for the first time or second time, I guess, at this point, you know, but like to be yeah. exploring, you know, same sex attraction, which is like she would have definitely had, there would have been emotional weight to that, you know? And also the idea, you know, we talked about briefly, like, that using death as a means to reinvent yourself. And, like, is she more represented by the life she lived that was based on all these external forces or more represented by the desires she has internally? And she is in a situation now where the concept of sin is irrelevant. It essentially doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, like... That's been removed, and all that there now is is desire and the ability to express that. So why the fuck did we not have that flashback? Yeah. This movie is, like, barely an hour long. Like... Yeah, it's it's 66 minutes. And a good, like, what? Like, eight minutes of that is taken up by the, the framing at the beginning and end, where she is in her own personal hell. And so it's just like, okay, so you have just under an hour's worth of movie... And he sold us short. Like, he's presenting these big ambitious ideas, which is great, but he's not following through on them. 
and it is something to where like you can get into a lot there is it is it that she is inherently a lesbian or is it like specifically she has an attraction to one woman or is it more that she just has a curiosity of like okay now that i've had an experience of what it's like to be with a man what is it like to be with a woman like will i enjoy that as much even more less like how am i going to feel about that and there is absolutely no analyzation of what that is at all. And it's like, okay, you've got this actress that is fucking killing it. You've got this character that obviously you put a lot of thought and love into. And it's like, explore. Go out there. You've got everything. You've got the actresses. You've got the equipment. You've got the sets. They're willing to fuck on camera. So obviously, like, having them clothed in another scene, it's like, okay, what do you need to do now? You need to find another location and you get more actors? Go out there and fucking shoot it. What are you doing, dude? Come on. And, like, the fact that everything in this movie is kind of surreal, that even opens things up even more for how, like, okay, if we're worried about locations and budget and all that, like, there are ways around it, you know? And so at that point in the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm not really enjoying this scene as much as I did the last couple ones, but whatever, you know? And then we cut to that bathtub scene that we already yeah. kind of talked about. Gross. Random, yeah. just, but, again, no dialogue, no... Why is just, she doing any of this? Like, who like at this knows? point, At this point, it, it starts to flip from, we, we have that, that strong scene with her and Harry Reams, and then it's just like, okay, now it's just becoming a bit more uh, exploitative in that we're just watching first two women have sex... Then just Georgina Spelvin by herself just masturbating. And it's like, so is part of her thing that she's kind of doing this weirdo, gross cam show? You That's know? what it felt like. It yeah. was weird. What the, God, what would have been actually so good is if we had, because we're in the afterlife, everything's weird and trippy. What if it literally was the bathtub from the opening scene? But it's like dark and like strange and she's just yeah, jerking off. you... Like, you, no you weird hose, but just, you know, and then you're, like, Throw sitting there. Throw some candles in there, yeah, some lighting. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, whoa. Like, maybe it even feels like, not, like, literally a coffin, but, like, it's maybe framed where there's a lot of darkness around it. And, like, you know, like, maybe a weird, like, underlight in the tub. So it's just, like, kind of almost could feel like a, a, like a, like a morgue. Like, there's just so many ways you could play with the imagery, you know, yeah. and make it, like sexy but also uncomfortable which is what We're a lot of the scenes are such a better movie this right is a now. great movie <laughs> in the theater of our minds <laughs> and then after that we get another scene with harry reams and i remember when he comes back on stage and i'm just like oh thank god like <laughs> there's dialogue Whew. but even that is like it's a it's a lot shorter of a scene it's not as intense emotionally um there's some hot stuff because it's like she wants to go down on him but at this point like she's getting kind of depraved you know and leaning into that as the character and he's kind of like making her wait and i think that kind of power play is pretty hot like you know like you're just gonna sit there i know you want it like you know i don't know pretty fresh so i'm like all right good performance this works uh and then instead of like letting that evolve and escalate and lead to something really really hot or lead to like another dynamic scene we get the fucking fruit the fruit she's laying in bed slow motion eating a banana sticking grapes up her coos like it's just like why and that too and you know what i felt like i felt like a lot of these these little random sexy scenes were like fucking trailer shots 
Like, yeah. her laying in bed and her, like, nail polish and eyeshadow, like, matches the pillowcases and shit. And I'm like, all right, good production design. And she's holding holding grapes, which is just, like, iconic, like, hedonistic, like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, the imagery, like, it works, but it's like, that's a good shot for a trailer. But, like, now we have five minutes of her, or, or not even that, it felt like ten minutes, but it was probably, like, two, where she's just eating fruit and jerking off. It's, like, so just, like, why? Like, and what am I supposed to... to get out of this? And is, is anybody, like, beating off in the fucking crowd? I like... mean, I can tell you, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I am not a fan of masturbating with fruit. Yeah, I don't like that. Don't bring that shit to me. Like, get it out of here. I'm just imagining after the scene is done being filmed having to fucking scrape them out like the grapes that got lost in there so they don't start like rotting and like attracting ants yeah. and shit like, like disgusting i don't like that girls guys you don't you don't want a bunch of food up inside you like the only the only way it should be up inside you is like you're digesting it like you know and that's not how you're supposed to be consuming it but in those sequences, what really stands out to me is is really how shallow this movie actually is. Yeah. For as heady as the themes and ideas that it's setting out to explore, this is where it really starts to, to show how shallow that it is, and that's disappointing. Yeah, it really is. And then the next thing, another fucking trailer shot of her holding a snake... You know, like, look, religious imagery. Look at this. And it's like... But what is it supposed to mean? What is it saying? Nothing. It's not saying anything. Yeah. This would have been a great flashback. I just imagined, like, the image of, like, her sitting in a church, like, holding a rosary, looking at the Virgin Mary, and then, like, her eyes going down and seeing the snake at the statue's feet, you know? And then, like, it could be, like... She was trying to be the Virgin Mary the whole time, but really she's the snake. Like, you know, like we could have leaned into that. Yeah, like, but no, we thing. don't. Like, you we got don't a snake, you got an apple, like you start getting into the Garden of Eden and like temptation and everything. Like you could even like have a flashback shot of her as like a younger woman and she's she's at a museum or a zoo or something. And she's looking at a snake and like she realizes that her mind is starting to go to a dirty place as she watches the snake's tongue flick out and like she's like, oh my God, why am I getting aroused? Oh my God, I'm so disgusted with myself and starts doing Hail Marys and stuff. There's a lot of like imagery there. Like Damiano's aware that like there's some symbolism to the imagery that he's putting out there but he's not saying anything and that's what i gotta it. say too about demiano and i this is becoming more and more apparent to me the more of his films that i watch because i like him i think he's a cool dude i think he clearly has some weird internalized hang-ups but, but that doesn't like, mean that we're not okay, going to use this platform know? to kick his ass a <laughs> i'm not because he deserves I'm not, it i'm not kicking his ass i really no, like he deserves him, a little but kick like, in the ass i'm i'm gonna be real i'm gonna give my critique you know and i really feel like i think he's a really good filmmaker i love his concepts i think he does a really good job shooting things like the films look good i think he does a good job finding talented performers i think he does a good job with like production design and putting things together like i think he's a really talented director and filmmaker i think he's a really shitty writer because yeah. every single damiano film that i've ever watched including Deep Throat, my favorite movie, the end just goes off the rails. 
halfway through, like it's a strong intro and then it just loses focus and loses steam. Yeah. And I think that's because he doesn't know how to write a good script. I think he has great ideas and he doesn't know what to do with it. In fucking Skin Flicks, which is like, we've got to watch that at some point. It's a really good Damiano movie. And it's about uh, ambitious porn director like you know clearly like him Who but like when he was young and hot bad tendency you know? to half-ass it he literally has a line these movies just kind of end no one knows how to end a porn movie and i'm like you don't you maybe don't it's so it's like it's, it's very self-aware film but it's just like come on dude like why didn't you have like a writing partner like, why don't yeah. you have someone revise your first draft of the script? Like, keep coming up with great characters and great ideas and great stories. But, like, if you need help with structure, like, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, like, he, he clearly has a vision. I, I, I think he clearly has a vision, and that's why you and I have, have watched his films and we've enjoyed his films. But ultimately, like, where he lets us down is as the audience is just in his inability to really capitalize on everything he sets up with his premise and his characters and his settings and just not following all the way through with a cohesive narrative that not only completes the, the story as it presents itself as a whole, but also explores the identities of the characters within that story and what that means to the larger overall themes that are included in there. I mean, with this, like, there is some ambition in, like, what he's trying to tackle, but it just never goes much further than skin deep. Yeah. And I know that uh, there are comparisons, you know, made between... This and uh, No Exit by Jean-Paul uh, Sartre. But with that, it's it's night and day. Even between this and a ghost story, like with a ghost story, like you guys are really exploring those characters. And you start off with who they present themselves to be versus who they are willing to admit that they actually are by the end of the story. And it takes the audience on a journey. And with this, it's like... It's, it's telling us that it's going to take us on a journey, but then it stops holding our hand halfway through, and then it just kind of stands there and looks at us and like, all right, where do you want to go? Well, I, I guess we're in hell now. Yeah. And, and with that, like, that's another thing, too, where I feel like not only, you know, including the flashbacks that, that flesh out more who this character is and why she wants to have the experiences that she's having based on, you know, repressed desires. But also I feel like when you are talking about, here's a character that you're telling her, hey, here's a consequence of the action that you just committed. And it is that you are denied entry into he into heaven. And so now, like, you're presented with a choice. You can either spend your eternity here in purgatory just living a boring, you know, go-nowhere existence, uh, devoid of any sort of pleasures, or, you know, we're going to tempt you with all of these experiences that you want to have, and if you give in to those, you can have these wonderful, incredible experiences, but the cost to that is you will spend the rest of eternity in hell. And then what does that mean? Or even just the irony of, I feel like, they started to set it up with, and the name, the, the stage name that Damiano used for his character that, that he plays in the movie is Albert Gork. Like, the <laughs> least sexy porn name ever. Albert. 
Albert Gork. G O R K. But Love so anyway, um, with that, I feel almost like you could have Abaca sort of do this ironic twist to Spelvin's character and be like, no, look, you know what I'll do for you? I'll make sure that in your personal room in hell that you'll have a man to give you company. And then she's just like, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. for." And then it turns out that it's a man who who is obsessed and has desires that have nothing to do with her or her sexuality at all. Yeah, and, and, and that would be at least satisfying to have an ironic twist that yeah. she blossoms into the sexual being to where like she's like, oh, well, you know, now that sin is irrelevant and I can do whatever I want. The main thing that I want to do is get fucking plowed all day and all night as much as possible. And it's like, OK, you're going to be stuck with somebody who's equally obsessed, just not the same things you are. Yeah, and we're coming up towards the end of the film. Um, after the stupid snake trailer shot, we get another quick scene of Abaca. But again, it felt like the second Harry Ream scene. It's like, no, that was something that worked. Let's put that back in. But it's like, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really have any substance the second time around. Then we get a three-way with two chicks. Then we get a three-way with two dudes. We got to cover all our bases here. And both of those sex scenes... Bland, no character motivation, no dialogue, totally lazy and lame. And and the framing becomes so much worse than everything that we saw before this. Yeah, and it's they're both like bizarrely short scenes. And it's like, again, this movie is not long. Like, I know you guys shot a full sex scene. But you give me like a little two minute snippet. And it yeah, felt, why is it so rushed? It, it felt like the editor was like, nobody gives a shit. You know, like, nobody cares about the sex scene. Nobody yeah. wants to watch these randos fuck for ten minutes. Like, it felt like there was no confidence in this film, even from the it's, people it's working It's almost like it. they were just like, okay, look, what we shot here is not as hot as what we shot earlier in the film. And so we figure everyone pretty much blew their loads. And now they're just kind of, like, waiting for this to wrap up. And we're going to be considerate of their time. And just, instead of having a ten-minute scene here, let's have a two-minute scene. Yeah. Let's have a, the next scene be three-minute scenes. Let's just get to the fucking end of this so you guys can, you know, zip up your pants and get out of the theater. And I think that's also why I'm so frustrated by this. Not even just that I'm not that impressed with the quality of the film, you know? But mm-hmm. it bothers me. I mean, we talked so much about, like, sex and story and balancing these things, you know? And, like, how an adult film can be a film. It is a film and can be art and can be all these things we can have sex and story we can have all you know yeah and this movie like could have been that and like not only was it not that it almost felt like they're like these sex scenes are weighing down the movie let's have as few of them as possible let's wrap it up (laughs) and that is such a negative message like with everything else that we're talking about and everything that like you know these two actors who nailed their characters and nailed their um, performance, you know, dialogue and sex. And it's like, to act like... Because Harry Reams and Georgina Spelvin are both trained actors, theater background, very much well, into just this. Like, like, they consider themselves legitimate actors and they consider themselves porn stars. Like, Harry Reams has talked openly many, many times about, like, he refuses to let people be like, well, that's real acting and this is porn acting. He's like, no, I'm a real actor and this is the film that I'm in. Yeah. You know, and Damiano is basically spitting in the face of these two fucking stars being like, oh, really? You're actors? Because this just seemed like a stupid porno. Yeah, you know? that's, and that's I, definitely that me off. one of his biggest failings as as a director is not recognizing the great chemistry that he has between these two performers and trying to maximize that as much as possible. Yeah. 
And then we wrap it up with the final scene where Miss Jones is in hell, like we saw at the beginning of the film. Nice little bookends. And it's not fire and brimstone. It's not. It's not the typical like doom hell that that you might expect. It's it's something interesting for its lack of much of anything really. But you know, if you'd like to think of like, okay, well, what's a way to like punish a person, but like not really like torture them. You know, I actually really like like as, to as make much it as more I'm of like an emotional movie, and psychological torment. I actually really, really liked this last scene. Um, yeah, I did too. It, it brought it back up for me just enough. Again, like the lighting, the bright white, like it almost feels like kind of insane asylum. And then I didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but there's a part where they kind of zoom out and she's like sitting on like a coffin. Like, you think she's just oh. on kind of like a bench, but it's like old wooden, like, either it is a coffin or they're playing with that imagery if it's not literally, yeah. you know? But then again, like, what exactly are they saying there? I don't know. Why does my play have a mattress in the middle of the desert? It's just a fucking vibe. You know? <laughs> it's just a vibe. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good point. A coffin in a jail cell, like, hot. And... Damiano is playing the other character in this scene. It's like the two of them are trapped in this, you know, this room together. That's the, that's their hell. That's their eternity. And she's just like, hey, we should fuck. We should do this. We should get this. You know, you want a blowjob? You want that? And just totally crazy. Just at this point, she's just speaking like stream of conscious, like fast gibberish. She's all sweaty. Her eyes are all dark. Like she's all crazy at this point. She's consumed by her desires. Yeah. And then he is like, I think there's a fly in this room. If If we're quiet, we can hear it buzz. We can hear, you know, he's just saying all this weird, crazy shit too. And neither of them are looking at each other. Both of them just like stream of consciousness that like won't stop talking and eventually the camera just similar to the bathtub scene the camera just pans away and like almost it feels like it pans back out through a door and like leaves yeah and it's really cool it's a really strong closing image it is but it's shallow in a way that one of the things that i feel like anytime a a film deals with with any sort of like torment or punishment or something you've got to have a sense of like there's some kind of like poetic justice to it in that someone is is getting the punishment that their actions warranted and so i feel like a way to like really kind of sell all of this is to maybe have abaca explain to her that like look you can have as many experiences as you can fit in over this next week as you want but realize that the more experiences that you have that it's going to use up more of your youth and more of your beauty and make you less desirable and you're going to have to spend the rest of eternity like that of having this great desire of knowing how knowing the heights of great pleasure but not having the means to be able to continuously experience that because you've used up all of the things that anybody else might find desirable in you. Like, that's one way to, to kind of have that, that ironic sort of justice. Um, but again, like, there just wasn't enough thoughtfulness on Damiano's part when creating the story to really go for that. Damn. You know, and at the same time, like, when you, when you look at something like No Exit, the major theme of No Exit is hell is other people. And it's just like... In this, it's not so much hell as other people. Hell is just not the right people, you know? Because for Albert Gork's character, like, he just wants to catch this fly. And for Georgina's character, she just wants to get fucking plowed. I know. Her and Harry Reams in a cell together, that's heaven. Yeah. 
you know? Exactly. One of the things that, that I wanted to, to also talk about was that we've sat here and spent the last like 50 minutes kind of shitting on this story a little bit. But I do want to say that the positive for this is that it does try to highlight, it tries to provide a message of saying like, hey, you should not sell your life experience short by not expressing some of your desires and exploring some of the desires that you have. And sex positive message in that way, but also in the way that it shows this character going about it, it does give her a little bit of ownership of her exploration of her own sexuality. And I think when you contrast that against a film like Behind the Green Door, where the main character is going on a sexual journey, but she is not in control of it at all. I think that's where this movie has a lot more redeeming value than that movie or a lot of other movies like that. To where it's like, we're going to take this character, this beautiful uh, female character, on this sexual journey, you know, like Deep Throat does it. Mm -hmm. It's this beautiful female character going on the sexual journey, but she is the one in control of the journey that she's going on, of the experiences that she's having. And so I think that when you start to talk about, okay, I'm going to make, like, we're going to make an adult film. How do we balance sex and story? That's such a great way to balance it, is taking a character and saying, what would happen if you take this repressed character and suddenly give them ownership of their sexual experiences and tell them, hey, you have the freedom to go out and express your desires, to explore your sexuality. What are you going to do? What is that going to look like? How is that going to play out? Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is a really interesting idea. And I think that's where this film does have a redeeming quality to it. Yeah, I agree. I love the premise of this movie. I like the message of it. I am fascinated by the themes of this movie. Me and too. I, I cannot give more props to the performances. You know? So, like... As much as I'm shitting on this movie, and I would say overall, do I like this movie? Not really, you know, because the stuff the stuff that I don't like is so disappointing to me that it kind of it taints my enjoyment of the film, you know. And I really tried to put that aside this most recent time that I watched it, you know. And again, totally captivated by the beginning, but once the movie started going on, I'm like, it's only an hour long, and I'm fucking bored, you know. <laughs> so. I don't know. It's it's disappointing. It's a little frustrating, and it's a little complicated, you know. And but I think that 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 tells you that if you're thinking about it afterward, and you know, even if even if the impression that it leaves you with isn't uh, positive, you know, that it did do something right in that. Because I always feel like, um, you know, there's there's bad movies that are instantly forgettable. And those are the worst kind of bad movies. Like, mm -hmm. like the ones that are bland, boring, and like you forget about them the second that they're over. Like, it's a total waste of time. You know, that's that's an hour and a half that you could have spent doing anything else. Um, whereas, like, there's bad movies that are like really frustrating, but at the same time, like they might have really interesting ideas, or they might have a really good performance, or they might have a really great character. And you can get worked up over like, man, this was wasted 
on this movie, but it sticks with you. And then there's, you know, there's the good movies that you spend all this time thinking about. Like, they start to shape your personality. You you start to run your own life experiences through the filter of, you know, this film that you watched. And that's that's cinema at its greatest. Um, with this, this definitely is, is not that. But it is something to where there's ideas, there's themes, and there's characters that will stick with you. And I always think that... When it comes to uh, remaking movies, I don't know why there isn't more studios and filmmakers that are focused on taking movies that have good characters or good stories or a good premise that was executed poorly and remaking those movies. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that if you're an aspiring filmmaker out there and you're trying to make an erotic film, that this would be a great movie a great template to start with and just identify all of these shortcomings and then remake it by fixing all of those and elevating all of those moments i know i'm curious i have not seen any of the sequels and adaptations of this movie yeah and i think Um, i think we should maybe revisit this at some point in the future and try to go through because i think there's like five sequels and then there is a remake that was made in like 2004 is there anything like in this time period or not really yeah so what was it uh devil and miss jones 2 i feel like they made it like three years after this or something okay devil and miss jones 2 1982 okay georgina spelvin's in that and then there was a devil and miss jones 3 which was 1986 a Double and Miss Jones 4, also in 1986. They were on a roll. <laughs> and then Devil and Mrs. Jones 2, The Devil's Agenda, 1991. So I don't know if that's... Uh, Another spinoff series. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a sequel to one of the other ones. It kind of did like this weird like Friday the 13th kind of thing okay. to where it like kept spawning these sequels and then some of the sequels like rewrote the canon of like previous sequels or something weird but yeah so six sequels not all of them are exactly sequels to the original and then there was a remake 2005 in which Georgina Spelvin actually had a cameo in it and she was about 70 years old didn't look bad at all damn because when yeah. I saw her like it was clearly an older woman, and, you know, I was like, okay, she's somebody. I was like, okay, I think that's Georgina Spelvin, and, yeah, still had it going on Good at that her. age. Fuck yeah. So, props to her. All right, I'm intrigued. I, I don't have a, high hopes for all these spinoffs, but yeah. I, maybe we'll check it out. I don't, and, and, like, the interesting thing, though, I think maybe the, the direct sequel will have the most potential, because that's one where uh, it was supposed to be a satire of this film. Oh, but my concern is, is it going to be something like Deep Throat 2? Okay, that's going to be, that'll be fun to watch, though. Okay, so I can, though? I can fuck with that. I do feel like, though, when we do talk about Deep Throat 2, we're definitely going to have a lot more fun, like, just beating that film up than we did actually watching that film. I feel like it was pretty fun watching it. I feel like you got to be, like, fucked up, though, to watch Deep Throat 2. yeah. Yeah, you do. Like if you're, if, I mean, if you're trying to watch it both as just a film, 
or trying to watch it as a dirty movie. Like, you're not going to have a good time in either regard. Yeah. But if you bring a bunch of friends over and you're like, hey, let's watch a shitty, like, let's have a bad movie night. And, like, everybody's, like, yelling and talking and stuff. Then, yeah, it's a good time. On that note, would you recommend this movie to people to watch? Yeah, I, I recommend this movie. If you haven't seen it, if anything that we said made you interested at all, definitely watch this movie. I actually, another twist, I would definitely recommend this movie to people. As, okay. as much critique as I have, as much as I am not personally a huge fan, I think the stuff that is good in this movie is so good that it's worth seeing. And I think that it was a very influential film. I think that... You know, it's one of the defining movies of this time period of this genre. So I think, like, from that kind of historical cultural value, it's worth watching. And also just, like, fuck, like, Georgina Spelvin is awesome. Yeah. Harry Reams is awesome. Yeah. Like, watch it just for them, you know? Like, show those actors some props. I mean, it really makes me kind of wish that there had been just a, a full feature-length film with them telling... I mean, it, it kind of doesn't even really matter what the story is, but having a full-length feature film where they get to be actors, and if there's sex in it, awesome. If there's yeah. not actual, like, graphic sex in it, that's fine, too, just because they had great chemistry. Yeah, they're um, really talented. Yeah, so, but, but definitely, like, I feel like this film really showed the potential of this genre, if somebody approached it and said, I want to take a more artistic take on this and to focus more on eroticism, more so than just trying to show graphic sex. You know what I would say, though, about this movie? <laughs> say it. I think the ideal experience for watching this movie is if you actually are going to have sex. Because I, like, I don't... <laughs> so, everybody makes fun of me that, like, I don't jerk off when I watch porn. I, like, jerk off watching, like, Sopranos and stupid shit like that. And then I, like, focus when I watch porn. <laughs> but, um... Not that Sopranos are stupid. There's somebody, great there's somebody that's great listening show. right now that, that totally relates to what you're saying, though, so... I... But having already seen this movie, and if you maybe are a regular person who does consider pornography to be sexual, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe you bring a date, you put this movie on, you watch the beginning of the movie, and you guys are both like, damn, this is a pretty good movie. Harry Reams comes on, damn, this is a pretty good movie. You guys start fucking. And then all these shit scenes are just playing in the background. And then you blow your load, you're laying in bed, wow, that was amazing. And then you look up, and it's the great ending scene. Yeah. I think you would really like the movie if you uh, went about it in that way. <laughs> if you get distracted during the worst parts of the movie, this movie's going to be definitely a lot more enjoyable to you. Yeah. Especially, like, if the reason why you're distracted is because you're getting laid. Yeah. So watch the movie, either get laid or just go into it being like, hey, I'm not here to watch a great movie. I'm here to watch some good acting and enjoy that good acting and those good scenes. Yeah. All right. Anything that we want to uh, promote? Well, we got lots of exciting stuff going on now that we're super legit putting out episodes, having a, an online presence and such. So vibe talking on Instagram. There's a lot happening there. Good Vibe Cinema on Instagram is the happening place. Um, we got a Vibe Talk on Twitter. And we have 
plug the uh, podcast locations, all of that. Yeah, uh, so if you are listening to this, you're either listening to it through one of your podcasting services where you get all your podcasts, or you can find us online, rss.com slash podcast slash vibe talking. Uh, no G at the end. And then if you want to uh, reach out to us, if you got some suggestions for stuff we should watch and review, or I know you asked for maybe some uh, phone sex scripts, uh, vibetalking at gmail.com. Again, that's uh, V-I-B-E-T-A-L-K-I-N at gmail.com. Yeah, let's bust out our acting chops. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's make the movie that these peeps couldn't handle, that they couldn't make. And then, yeah, in the meantime, too, uh, look out for... Uh, you've already made one Super 8 film coming soon. Yes, it is a uh, fake trailer shot on real film. It is uh, a trailer for a fictional 70s porno, and Manny and I are both in that. We also made another short film called Big Feet, where uh, Bigfoot ain't that big, and that kind of fucks with his head a little bit. And he also gets involved in a little sex scandal. That one should be actually coming soon, though. Because yeah. it's still being developed in London. We did it as part of the Straight 8 Festival. Uh, it's like a challenge. You make a movie on one roll of Super 8 film. You send it in without it being delivered or uh, developed yet. So we haven't actually seen this movie. But uh, it's, I think now it's coming in November is what they've been saying. Okay. So soon-ish we'll get to see it, but that will be on Good Vibe Cinema. Yeah, Good Vibe Cinema is really where the most stuff is because not only are we talking about and plugging Vibe Talking on there, but most of what I do creatively is inspired by these films and this vibe. So if you're into this sort of thing, you might dig the skits we're doing, the photography we've got going on, you know, the events and theater and stuff. You know, all of it has that kind of flavor. So, yeah, check that out. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed and share this with some other folks and let us hear from you. Spread the word and uh, circle back. We will uh, talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.